understand that wisdom and experience have to start linking arms with youth and sensitivity. We can't do this separately. This generation, highly sensitive. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying that these are the realities. And they got energy galore. But they don't always know what to do with it. So you see them stealing cars. <laughs> Why? Pastor Jay, we don't have nothing else to do. I ask them. The kids, come here Wednesday. I ask them as many questions as they ask me. Pastor Jay, you know what a stoli is? No. What's a stoli? That's when you're bored and you go steal a car. <laughs> Wait, wait, when you bored? Like, when I was bored, I went outside. I got a ball. <laughs> I caught bugs. <laughs> we fell out of trees. We did a lot of stuff. I didn't go steal no car. A lot of energy. Passion. Ready to do stuff all the time. But they don't all have somebody in their life to tell them, how to respond to the passion, how to respond to the calling that's on your life. I know I'm supposed to be a leader, so I'm leading. Yeah, folks, straight to hell. Because <laughs> I got some ringleaders here at this church. And when they move and when they speak, people follow. They follow them on Snapchat. They follow them on Instagram. They follow the mess they do here at school. They follow them. And you know what? I don't even get mad at them. I look at them and say, we just got to turn that in the right direction. We got to start telling you what to do with that. So today we're going to deal with the life-changing power of mentorship. Of when you have somebody in your life that you can run to. This is what I'm feeling. What am I supposed to do with it? It's calling me. It's yelling my name. We all need an Eli. And the youth of Milwaukee need it more now than ever. They need somebody who can look at them and say, go lay back in that bed. And the next time you hear that, say, speak. Your servant is listening. So to try to bring this home today, I'm going to show you the three key ingredients of a great mentor. Of what I need you to become. Of what some of you are already doing. And of what our city absolutely needs. And the best way I can think of showing you was to start bringing in my bus. See, about 11, 12 years old, um, I kind of dropkicked my mama. She still was telling me what to do, but I wasn't really listening. Any of y'all kind of at that place in life where you got some teenagers, you, you telling them, but they're not really paying attention. So, you know, I, I kicked my mama out the bus. Poof, mama, I got this. But drive myself. And somewhere along the way, you started seeing that was, my, that was what my driving looked like. I had some mentors that started coming into my life, and I want to introduce you to my bus. So, I, hold on. I, I, got a, I got a couple folks back here. One second, one second. Brother Jamil, come on out here, man. It's good to see you. So this is Jamil. Can we give him a hand? You go ahead and have a seat on the bus, man. Now, Jamil, I don't know why, but somewhere around 14 years old, took a liking to me, my cousin, and another friend of mine known as Little Man. Can we put that picture up on the screen? Now, this was last year. Still together, 
still hanging out. Now, we're a little bigger than we used to be. But Jamil, every weekend, he did what great mentors do. And number one, he made time for us. I promise you, if you're waiting to have the time, it'll never happen. We're busy. Everybody's busy. We all have lives. We have things we have to do. I have responsibilities. If I am not purposeful in saying I'm going to make some time, I'm going to set time aside. So what Jamil would do that I love him to death for, Jamil would just come pick us up. He would call us. He didn't wait for us to call him. Hey, what y'all doing? I don't know. We bored. Okay, before you do something dumb, I'm coming to pick you up. And he would pick us up every week. We'd go play basketball. We'd watch movies. He'd bring us over at the time. Kiami, wave your hand. Wave your hand. So this is his wife, Kiami, back here. At the time, that wasn't his wife. It was his girlfriend. Her and her three sisters had an apartment. And we'd all go kick it at the apartment every Saturday after choir rehearsal. Every Saturday. For three years. This man we found out was a great barber. How did we find out? This brother on the left, little man, decided he wanted to be a barber. So what did he do? He used me and Marcel as practice dummies. And we was dummies enough to let him do it. So there was a time Jamil picked us up and he looked at my head and he was like, what happened to you? I'm like, man, little man messed me up, man. I don't know why he's trying to put this design on my hair. He can't see straight. Jamil was like, okay, we go into the house. I know y'all didn't know this, but I actually cut hair. I'm going to help you out. Jamil would give us a fade every week. Sometimes twice a week if a little man practiced on us that week. <laughs> Do you realize that through doing that, little man is one of the best barbers in North Chicago right now? Literally one of the best ones. He spent that time with us, and it wasn't that he was preaching. When he was yelling, it wasn't that he was fussing. He just treated us like people. When I couldn't talk about stuff to my mom or my dad, I talked to Jamil. I saw him and Kiyami getting arguments. <laughs> Big ones. <laughs> and we were like, whoa. Don't make Jamil mad. And then we'd see them have the conversations to bring it all back right which is what a lot of our young people are missing. They see the conflict, but they never see how to resolve it. So you get the foolishness that we see on the news nightly. So I thank God for him. He was the first guy I knew to have gospel music bumping down the street. Your house would literally be rumbling. And you'd be like, Jamil must be on the way. Let me get my stuff. And for some teenagers to be in a car that had more bass in a little bit, We'd be leaning all the way back like, yeah. <laughs> Just rolling. Total scrubs in the passenger side. <laughs> Didn't care. We was with Jamil and he was hanging with us. He was the first person I saw at my church do gospel rap. So we had a minister of music that he liked taking old 70s hits and flipping them into gospel songs. Anybody know that song, Outstanding? Earth, Wind, and Fire. Cool and got banned. I'm sorry, I done messed up. Thank you. Look out for me. I, the minute I said it, I'm like, no, nah, that wasn't Earth, Wind, and Fire. Thinking of a different song. We flipped outstanding. And they messed around and threw Jamil to Mike and he got the rapping and we was like, we had never seen this before. In church? In church, he rapping. I thought 
was a devil. And it was so far, like he freestyled for like five minutes. And we were like, yes, yes. The freedom we felt as young people to see somebody we knew and loved as a mentor, in our mind, break ground that we hadn't seen before. Is there a reason why we utilize gospel rap and hip hop and all this stuff that I even went on to do some of that later on? He played a tremendous role in my life in simply making time. He made time. Number two, so number one, everybody repeat after me, make time. Number two, great mentors are consistent. They're consistently available, consistently caring, and consistently encouraging. And you know what, I I got another mentor back here. Hold on a second. Grandpa, you back here? Come on, Clance. Now, my grandfather's real name is Clarence, but my grandma never pronounced that R too well, so she called him Clance. So that's what I thought his name was until I was like 19. Y'all give my grandfather a hand. This is Clarence Wallace. Have a seat, have a seat anywhere you want, back here, whatever. You want to be up front? Okay, hey, I'm not going to tell you what not to do. So my grandfather, 90 years old, y'all, he gets to do whatever he want to do. This man is 90 years old. He will outwork everybody in this room. Folks be like, Pastor Jay, where you get all that energy? You are looking at the godfather of energy. This man still tears trees down. He still does landscaping. He owns buildings. Okay, well, my grandmother owned all the buildings. She just let him work at them. Let me clarify, because she'll get me later. But this is the work ethic that we were instilled with. And my grandfather, picture of him and my grandmother right there. He always had a word for us, whether you wanted it or not. Most time we didn't want it. <laughs> we made up a name for it. We called it getting stuck. When you went outside to go talk to grandpa and you couldn't get away. <laughs> People go out to the garage and they'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go see grandpa. We'd be like, all right. <laughs> they'd be out there an hour and a half. We'd be like, uh-huh, he's stuck. <laughs> Don't know how to get out. You better have an exit strategy before you enter that conversation. <laughs> you better know how to work it. So my grandfather would tell us a great phrase. He would say, I whipped, can't, and ran, couldn't, out of town. We wasn't allowed to say what we couldn't or can't do. He said, I already whipped, can't. Can't don't live here. Couldn't been gone. We got whoopings for saying, I can't. Are you, you what? Whoa, no, I ain't figured it out yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were allowed to say, I'm still working on it. I have not met the right person. I'm still putting my plan together. I'm getting a group of folks to help me figure it out. Can't and couldn't, the automatic beat down, automatic. Nope, that, that don't live here. That's what we were taught. And he told me that as long as he lived, I would always have a place to sleep and food to eat. As long as he was breathing. He proved that to me. There's two separate times I had to go live with him. Two separate times. One time, I remember to this day, there was a domestic situation at my house. My father chased us out of the house. He was going to get a gun. We was just running. We didn't know what to do. Everybody screaming. Everybody running. And I went to live with my grandparents. I didn't know where else to go. Didn't have anywhere else to go. A few days later, 
I remember my father coming to the house. He wanted to talk to me. And my grandfather sat in the room because he wasn't going to leave me. And my father started crying and he's been, you know, I, I just want you to come home. I need you to come home. That's where you're supposed to be. You know, that's your home. I remember my grandfather sitting there and he listened and he looked at me and he said, before you answer, whatever decision you make is your decision. It's your choice. But I want you to know you got two homes. You can choose to stay here just as well. And I chose. He gave me an option that I didn't have. In that moment, my grandfather provided me with something that I hadn't seen before. Protection. Where else was I going to go? The only option I typically had would be to walk right back into that same situation, same atmosphere, same problems, same issues from the exact place I had just got through running from. If you want to change a young person, you got to change their surroundings. Every problem they have is not just because of them. My grandfather, after my divorce, he reset my life. With one statement, he looked at me and said, Jay, you're young enough to take risks. You have the time to make mistakes and to come back from them. It's when you're my age that you don't want to mess up like this. <laughs> so learn from this right now so that you'll never have to go through this again. And I never forget that, Grandpa. In that moment... He gave me the freedom to not be perfect. He gave me permission to make mistakes. When the people you look up to tell you it's okay. I'm here for you. Yeah, you messed that up. But I'm not going to let you fail. I'm not going to let you fall. That one conversation reset my entire life is not the end. I can come back from this because I was depressed, y'all. I was ready to quit on life. It's not over. I do have time. I can learn from this. I don't have to. I ain't going through this no more. And Grandpa, thank you for being who you've always been. Because great mentors are consistent. So we said, number one, great mentors make time. Great mentors are consistent. And from that video I showed you a little earlier, the third things great mentors never do they never get off of the bus. <laughs> I don't care what the driving look like. In the ditch, side of the road, in the accident, almost hit 12 people, car going backwards down a one-way street. Great mentors don't have a seatbelt. 
They don't have a steering wheel. They just hold on to whatever they can grab. <laughs> and they go along for the ride for however long you want to drive. Their love is constant regardless of the driving. I got one more mentor back here that I need to go grab. Mark, I need you to come on out here. I want to introduce you to Mark Wallace, better known as the wealth trainer, depending on what part of Chicago you come from. <laughs> you can have a seat anywhere on the bus, man, anywhere on the bus. You can't have a driver's seat, though, I'm sorry. That's me. <laughs> this is my Uncle Mark. This picture that you're looking at here, that's me in the back with my little bootleg hat and my America t-shirt on. Yep, that's me. My mama dressed me that morning. And I remember this was one of the, man, maybe one or two trips that I can remember that my entire like immediate family went on. And it was to go see Mark when he was at Eastern Illinois University. And I remember my Uncle Mark. Now this is the picture when we was with the whole family. Mark was in college, doing what college kids do. So there came a time when we kicked the family to the curb. Now I'm 12 years old, I don't know nothing about nothing. Mark like, I'm gonna show you what college life is about. We like, yeah, show us, we wanna know. One of the best nights of my life that I still remember to this day as if it happened yesterday was hanging with my Uncle Mark, my cousin Tressa who's over here on this end. We went and hung out with him and my cousin Chris on that side and he took us out. First Greek step show. I ain't never seen nothing like this ever in life. What is this? I'm pledging tomorrow. I don't even know how to get in, but whatever this is, I want it. He took us to my first house party. I didn't even know what was happening. Folks was in there dancing. I'm like, what is, this ain't class. <laughs> what school is this? He took us to his one bed apartment. And I did not say bedroom. <laughs> one bed. <laughs> Mark had an apartment that was about as big as this speaker right here. We were just in there together. <laughs> He opened the door and I was like, where the rest of it at? <laughs> this is mine. This is all mine. Somebody got you. They, they took the rest. Like it was literally, he had a bed that was like up in the air because his computer was underneath it. There was a door that he said had a bathroom in it. I don't believe him. And they were like literally the door, a TV, the bed and us. But it was his. We ordered Domino's pizza that night. And they didn't make it in 30 minutes and somebody got his money and the pizzas. I remember this. I remember my cousin Tressa left her contacts in at the house party. I swelled up this big. I remember. I remember him looking out the window of his little one bed apartment and saying, you see that house right there? That's one of the fraternity houses. And I ain't gonna say no names. I ain't gonna say who it was. Because we know that all fraternities are non-hazing organizations. And sororities too. Mm-hmm, okay. 
I've been to college too, y'all, so uh, I, I found out different. But my Uncle Mark <laughs> said, you see that building right there? When you go to college, because he automatically started talking to us then, you're going to college. When you go, they're going to want you. He said, and they're going to try to make you believe that you need them to be somebody. They're going to try to make you believe that if you join them, that's going to help increase who you are and what you can do and the girls you can get. And at 12 years old, he looked me in my eye and he said, Jay, you don't need them. They need you. They need you because of who you are, because of what you're able to do. You make them look good. When you start hearing stuff like this at 12, 13, hey, you need me. What's funny, six years later, guess who graduated and went to Eastern Illinois University? Walked right on Eastern's campus like I owned it. My uncle went here. He already told me about y'all. I'm ready. Now, what was funny, my Uncle Mark thought he still had some pool from all them years ago, so he said he's going to get us into the gym that day, and he couldn't get us in. <laughs> like, Mark, man, them days is over. I'm sorry. It's, it's my turn now. <laughs> I remember my RA trying to recruit me to his fraternity. Brother, you know what we can do for you. And I remember back to being 12. I said, no, partner, you know what I can do for you? I don't need you or your colors. You need me. And it wasn't because I just came up with this. I had heard that from somebody else who actually convinced me it was true. I didn't feel the need to pledge for me. And the pitch that they used didn't work. I don't need that. I'm pretty good by myself. If I do decide to join, it's for your benefit. My Uncle Mark, I remember him spinning me on his shoulders when I was four years old. I remember playing Burger Time on Activision. When I was six, I'd go up there and play video games till I couldn't see straight. Dizzy, head hurting, hungry, just, I gotta play one more game. I remember at 18 years old, Going to Eastern, and it was my Uncle Mark who told me, you're going to start a business. You're going to be a barber. I had started learning how to cut my own hair, but I had never cut anybody else's. And he told me, they don't know that. <laughs> he said, all they going to know is what you tell them. You tell them you're a barber, you tell them the first cut is free, and if they don't like it, they ain't got to pay for it. He helped me make my first signs. We put my little phone numbers up around the campus. And when I got my first phone call, y'all almost peed on myself. I was so scared. I was so scared. I was so scared. I'm about to mess this boy up. I'm about to do a little man. <laughs> do you know I got through my first two years of school cutting hair? Did it as a business. was never broke. House parties came. I look and see little flyers going around. I'm like, oh, yeah, business is going to be good this Friday. Entrepreneurship. I remember at 21, my Uncle Mark gave me a vending route. I'm going to teach you more about business. Vending machines lined up. Jay, here you go. Here's a route. Gave it to me. I messed it up. 
jerking off like I, I quit. I can't, nope, I don't want it. I quit. This, this is too much. I, my mind can't. I quit. And I know he was mad. But he never quit on me. I remember 24 talking to Uncle Mark about a condo I wanted to buy with this wonderful thing called a, uh, an association fee. Anybody heard of that? It sounds real good at first, don't it? Well, my Uncle Mark looked at me and said, Jay, don't do that. Don't, don't do that one. Don't, you do not want an association fee. You do not want that condo. Keep looking. Well, you know, Jay decided, well, I'm the bus driver, and that's the destination I'm taking us to. I bought the thing. Three years later, when it was in foreclosure, my Uncle Martin looked at me and said, I told you not to buy that, didn't I? Yeah, foreclosure. But he never quit on me. He talked about me. <laughs> Made me listen to him talk about me. But he never quit. After my divorce, he loved me through that. Countless conversations on the phone, crying, hurt. Was getting ready to enter into another serious relationship, and it was my Uncle Mark who called me and said, Bruh, don't do this one. Now, my uncle, he bogus. He looked at me and said, You remember the condo? <laughs> Now, those of you to be like, you know, Pastor Jay real blunt, and he just say whatever. This is why. This is why. All of this up here is why. He like, you remember that condo I told you not to buy? You remember how you ignored me, right? You remember how I went in foreclosure? You remember how you got that on your record for seven years? Like, he just walking it down. I'm telling you again. Don't do this. Past history had told me I might want to start listening. I'm still the bus driver. But sometimes being influenced by the people in the back seat ain't a bad thing. I ended up letting go of that relationship for the better. And you see today who I'm married to that was leading worship today. <laughs> Pastor Sonia. And if it had not have been for a real mentor who never got off the bus, and y'all, I gave him every reason to get off. <laughs> I threw that man every which way. The success that I have today is happening because of people sitting in these chairs. Bishop Harvey, I'm going to ask you to come up here. Because what I learned was these folks in this bus is helping me out. You can come on and have a seat anywhere on the bus, sir. Now, they forced their way on the bus. They were just like, I'm getting on the bus. You ain't get no option. Open this door. We getting on this bus because you crazy and you driving like you lost your mind. And you need some folks to help you. As I started realizing the importance of mentors, I started going to pick up people. And when I came here to Park Lawn and I met Bishop Harvey, I realized the importance. I knew God called me to be a pastor, but I don't really know how to do that. I got some tools. I got a calling. Bishop, I hear something calling me. What am I supposed to do with this? 
Bishop has become another Eli for me. That I go to and I say, Dad, I'm struggling. Having a hard time today. Hey, hey. Sometimes you just got to be 100. You just got to be honest. You got to have some people you can be honest with. Like, hey, I'm, re- I'm ready to do something dumb. And I've sent Bishop some emails. Or I know he probably like, let me go pray for this boy right now. I have to have a place where I can release that before I do something stupid. Because see, what these folks on the bus in the front have taught me is that I got a tendency to make irrational, emotional, and angered decisions. So after I've realized that, now I start encompassing people on my bus that help me deal with those tendencies. So I go back to them. And I talk to them. I go sit at my grandfather's house on purpose to get stuck. Because I've realized there's value in what he's teaching me. Where I used to run from it, now I run to it. I still talk to my Uncle Mark. I still love Jamil, and we have conversations. I can hit up Bishop whenever, hey, Bishop, look, what you think? I trust you with my decision-making. Here's what I'm working on. Here's what I see. What should I be doing? And some stuff he wipe off the board, and I'm like, man, really? You want me to cut that off? But I'm smart enough to know, don't buy the condo. <laughs> hey, I hear it in my mind. And Bishop will tell me something. I'm like, yeah, don't buy that condo. Nope, don't do it. And I cut that right on off. And I chase the things that he tells me to chase. Because that's what God has sent me here to do. Now, they're all sitting here in front of you. But the crazy part is, Jamil, when I was 16, he didn't know he'd be sitting here on a stage with me preaching in front of y'all. He had no idea. He was just cutting some kid's hair. When my grandfather was sitting there between me and my father, he had no idea he was protecting a future youth pastor. He had no clue that he was teaching me how to protect my kids. My Uncle Mark, all of those entrepreneurship things that some I did well in and some I ran away from, he didn't know that he was teaching a future fundraiser. That in eight months would help raise with some other folks over $50,000 for youth ministry right here at Park Lawn. He didn't know. He had no idea. Bishop, I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm gonna be <laughs> 10, 15 years from now. But you'll be on that bus. I don't care what it is, I don't know what the end destination is to this day. But these people you see sitting here, when they get on, they don't get off. They made time for me. They were consistent. 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 Not just, hey, let me talk to you real quick. Okay, never see you again. Consistent. And they never got off the bus. 